Hey, welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Jed, and uh, welcome to Church and Other Drugs. I wish y'all could hear the amount of redos I do on these solo intros, because nah, it sounds dumb. Nope. Still sounds stupid. And I think this one sounded dumb as well, but we are going to go for it. How are y'all doing today? Um, I'm doing great. You know, being... Here's... Here's a perk I figured out about being a 35-year-old man uh, in college. One of the one of the few perks is that I can get excited about like weather closings again. So school got canceled due to weather, and I'm so excited. It's the best day ever. I need to call my friends and see what they're doing. What are you guys doing? Everybody's at work, so it doesn't matter. Um, what's new? Oh yeah, so. Those of you that have been uh, listening for quite some time, you know, I pride myself on my musical prowess, my musical taste, fancy myself a little amateur DJ, tastemaker, if you will, and uh, I've been playing uh, Sleep Token a ton. I think I've done, I don't know, four or five of their songs at the end of the episodes. I'm going to do one of their new tracks today, Uh, and what has happened with them in the past 14 days is they went from this obscure uh, 200,000 monthly listens on Spotify to blown up. Like they literally went from like 252,000 to a million five uh, monthly listens in 12 days. It's insane. Uh, All because of really TikTok and one of their new singles. Which is good for them, um, but the the elitist gatekeeper in me is so sad because now it just means I'll never like get to see them in an intimate setting. It's gonna be uh, it's it's weird how like that's what's happening lately is these old songs. This makes me sound like such an old man, but uh, these old songs from when I was a teenager or whatever, early twenties, like one of Pierce the Veil's. Uh, songs, King for a Day, like, trended on TikTok, and so all of a sudden they got massive amounts of new followers, like, essentially overnight, um, which, it's, it's really interesting how these, how these older bands are, I mean, it's, it's the Kate Bush Metallica thing from Stranger Things, uh, where it's, it's just, like, these old songs, all it needs is a fresh, uh, fresh ears and a viral environment, and boom, there you go. Uh, instant money and fame. Um, the only other entertainment thing I'm working with is everybody watch The Last of Us. All right, one of the best video games of all time is now shaping up to be one of the best shows of all time. It's a good. It's about to be a good month for TV. We got we got The Last of Us. We got Yellow Jackets season two. Everybody also knows that was uh, probably my. It was a toss-up between Yellow Jackets and Severance. That's my favorite show of that year. Um, but Yellow Jackets Season 2 and Mandalorian Season 3 are all about to pop off in March. It's just a good time for entertainment. So what are they distracting us from? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, so getting to the interview today, I'll shut up. Uh, I have a now a good friend, uh, Matt Oxley. He, I met him... Uh, when I do my co-hosting gigs for Pastor with No Answers with Joey Svensson of uh, formerly of Bad Christian fame 
And now of Pastor With No Answers fame, I do uh, guest spots. There's kind of like a rotating crew of guest hosts on that show, and I'm one of them. And Matt is also one of them. He is the atheist agnostic of the bunch, so he brings a, a, a definite difference. He makes me think, for sure. We always have really good discussions. And he recently started his own podcast called The Great Deconstruction, where he is talking to other people that have deconstructed. And so I wanted to bring him on today uh, to, one, plug his show, and to, two, uh, hear what happened. I realize I've never actually heard his story of deconstruction and, um, you know, how he strayed from the path. And I'm just kidding. He... uh, he loves when I make altar call jokes. So, welcome to the show, Matt Oxley. First, uh, my buddy Sean got me into uh, comic book collecting again, but more so, I guess, the like collecting and and reselling sort of thing. And then my buddy Tyler got me into Pokemon card collecting and selling. It's just straight up almost gambling, though. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Seems like it would be. Mm hmm. Never, I don't really know Pokemon well, but I like Magic the Gathering. I yeah, played it in ages, but similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you know, what's the oh the Black Lotus? That's the yeah. uh yep. Yeah, that's like the the quintessential. That's the one you want. Yeah, I uh, I tried to get back into Magic the Gathering. Oh man, five, four, five years ago, and yeah. uh my buddy Alex was trying to get me back into it. And I didn't realize that he was just letting me win to slowly get me back into it. And then he would just start trouncing me, dude, just yeah. absolute destruction. And I was like, all right, I'm out. I think that's how a friend got me into it. Honestly, it's a good bait and switch. I played, uh, what is the other one? Yu-Gi-Oh? Is Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. Yeah. I played that with a friend once and beat the snot out of her. And I just felt like she was trying to get me hooked, but it's, I didn't want to get another thing started. Cause I, I already know. have thousands of these magic cards. Oh, I know. Uh, so Matt Oxley Yo. is joining us. I am sticking true to my new year's resolution to go back to properly introducing the guest. So <laughs> I got so, uh, bad at it. I would just, you know, well, start I realized, talking. 
I would just start talking. It was kind of like, well, if you're listening, you know, you've been listening, you kind of get the deal by now. But I didn't realize I was getting a bunch of um, new listeners from uh, blurry creatures from from Nate. And I was like, I guess I need to start doing stuff again. <laughs> um, Matt Oxley. So I met Matt as a co-host of the pastor with no answers um sorry pastor with no answers there's no v right um which i guess i actually never even plugged that on on this show but because it's one of those yeah i know i guess it's one of those like i figure probably a lot of crossover there's a lot of crossover but i would think to, to those that are not crossed over uh i am one of the rotating co-hosts on Joey Svensson's podcast, Pastor With No Answers. So go check that out as well. And that is where I met uh, Nathaniel Oxley, <laughs> Matt Oxley, and he recently has started his own podcast. That's um, right. So that is who I am speaking to. That's your introduction. <laughs> Back to magic cards. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, oh, what's yeah. up, man? Man, school and work and life. I hate... So here's the thing. This is my um, my first year at uh, a major university. Yeah. Where so, are you going? Uh, university of Louisiana at Lafayette. So I did the community college thing for my associates and now uh, in big boy college for to finish my undergrad and then do the grad. That's the plan. Started way late on this endeavor. Well, I started early, but I just farted around in high school for so I mean, uh, college for so many years. So I can't I can't so far I cannot stand the teaching style. It's literally just like. It's it's so nebulous as to like wh- like what am I supposed to be doing right now? Like what is actually going to be graded? And <laughs> there's there's a jillion apps you have to sign up for for yeah. every book you buy, and it's just like there's no central hub of just like tell me what I got to do. Like what's going to be on? How do what? I get the piece of paper? Yeah, man, this is this. it's dumb. A lot yeah. of it is just here's the like basically it's here's the book, teach yourself, take the quiz online. The professor's just there to get right. paid, I <laughs> guess. To justify the cost of this course. Yes. And then yeah. I am having fun though, um getting to know let's see, like college freshmen or like current 19, 20 year olds, they would, they're zoomers, Gen Z. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Boy, they are an interesting bunch. Yeah. Those are some socially awkward adults, my friend. Yeah. I mean, they went through like their senior and junior years were like COVID. So they were that's isolated. That's isolated right. at home and didn't know how to socialize anymore. They probably, I mean, I did the same thing though. I like completely isolated and I'm just trying to like make friends again. Are you, how old are you? Are you my age? I'm 35. Okay. 30, yeah. So you're a little older. Um, 
you're closer to the grave than I am. Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt about that. Yeah, but it's a uh, so did you do the college thing? Nope. I nope. I self-educated really. You're I did uh lucky. I just picked up a bunch of books and started reading and learned my trade. And which is what IT? Yeah, I yeah. do various IT services and computer repair for the uh, last 20 years. So can you tell me what's wrong with my computer? Probably, yeah. Oh, I can connect kidding. to you and fix it up. Uh, oh, man. So, I sit right here all day and I, I work. I, I work from my chair and I hardly ever have to leave it. It's great. You you do like it? Yeah, I love it. I, I make my own schedule. I turn my phone off anytime I want. It's kind of great. Well, that's nice. I, I got super like i like i'm very the the good thing about going back to physical class is that like i'm out of the house finally it's i got yeah. way too stir crazy just always being home yeah i spent like most of covid which is still going on but i spent most of that time in a in a marijuana induced haze hey all right and i was like so so isolated the whole time I, I became paranoid. I couldn't really handle people anymore. I, it was just, even the thought of like going to Walmart to pick up stuff was just overwhelming. I mean, I Whoa. think it was like mostly the weed. But yeah, I was about to get off that. Not long I, was, ago. I was about to say. Yeah, I stopped smoking in November and like, really? I can handle people again. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it just has a bad impact on me. I don't know. And it, it is addictive for sure. Thank you. Oh my God. For say say sure. it again for the people in the back. Weed is addictive. So what, so that's, um, I didn't even know. Um, I, I remember now that you said that on, on a uh, pastor with no answers, but, um, that's super interesting. So how long had you been smoking before this quitting? Consistently? I think I started in like 2019. I was really sick and had a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a kidney stone and uh, gallbladder Ooh. problems, and man, it it was like the only thing that took the pain away. Like it was just Ed amazing with a kidney stone. It, and if I had another or... kidney stone, no, nah, I usually smoke. Really, but I have like the whole setup to make edibles. I have one of those Levo machines to make oh, butter wow. and stuff. So like, what? it became my life for a while. So like, did you get into the weed? Did you become a weed bro? Did you get into the culture? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Is so there I, I hate myself for it. <laughs> thank you. It, right, which is which is more which is more irritating? Uh craft beer culture or oh God. weed culture? See, I that is my personality though. Like I will grab onto a thing for a while. Oh and yeah. Me I, too. I've had my craft beer phase and now I just mm -hmm. don't I don't even like beer that much anymore. Uh, and I was so fucking snobby about it. And around here, like deep south, you're in Louisiana, so you, mm -hmm. it's probably about the same, except for mm -hmm. you're in college town. Um, you've got Miller Light and Bud Light. I mean, it's mostly a dry county here. It's hard to even find alcohol. But Where are you at? You're uh, in yeah, middle Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why did I think you were in Charleston? What part of Georgia? Uh, Eastman is the name of the town. It's a small town, about 5,000 people. What's the closest big city? 
Macon. You know Macon? I do. Yeah, I was. I do know Macon. I was. I was born in Decatur. Oh, okay. Yeah. Near uh, Stone Mountain from Georgia. Yeah. Good old racist Mount Rushmore. Absolutely. We would go to the laser show at Stone Mountain every year. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) It was fun. Um. Yeah. Uh. So. I was also one of the people that weed turned on me even way before I got sober. It was like, weed was like, every time I smoked, it would just be instant paranoia. I would get, it would make my skin. I would just be very hyper aware of things that I wish would have been pushed to the background. Yeah. So I like, just, that's what I was doing, but it, it wasn't always like that. But it, it, at first it was just calm and I was out of pain and I could sleep. But then the last like year, it was just my heart is just racing, just going like 160 for nothing. And I just I got so tired of that. Did you try switching kinds, brands, yeah. strains and nothing I, worked? I mean, you got to take what you get around here. Kind of that if you say, hey, is this an indica or sativa? They're just going to be like, uh, it's uh, that just makes some bullshit up. Right. Bananas foster or some shit. Right. Yeah. That's it's never what they say. (laughs) So So when did you finally uh, decide that I think I need to I think it's the weed and I think I need to quit? Uh, I mean, I wanted to quit for a while, but I started an antidepressant and it the reaction was bad, bad. And uh so Which one? Like, I don't remember. I stopped it because oh, okay. I didn't really like it. I don't like the way it makes me feel, but yeah, uh, it helped me quit the weed. Like I put it down and never looked back. So that part's good. And I'm almost done with nicotine too, which is even harder for sure. <sighs> Dude. Yeah. I'm vaping like a chimney over here. And I'm actually on uh Wellbutrin is one of my meds and that's like a nicotine, uh, inhibitor so it's i'm really not even it's like only in the mornings i really get the pleasurable effects and then throughout the whole rest of the time it's just habit pure habitual yeah dude that's a tough nut to crack right there it's the hardest thing i've ever tried to do i think is get off of this yep yep um so you said weed is definitely addictive what was your experience with that i mean i just i would crave it all day if i didn't have it i'd start freaking out you know and trying to find it which is not the easiest thing around here so it, it was just anytime i was running low or i was out i was the only thing i could think about is how do i get more where do i find it so i, I mean that's what meth heads do mm-hmm. you know this, this is true you can think about speaking from experience yeah it's uh and i mean i don't mean meth head is a derogatory i got family in that in that situation yeah but uh yeah, that's it's crazy. How you've got you've got some Methodists in the family. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Dedicated. Dedicated Methodists. <laughs> okay, so uh I realized when I was thinking about this, I realized that I actually don't fully know your uh spiritual journey from where you were to where you are. So and I'm right to assume that that is uh initially kind of what your podcast was about 
Yes. Yeah, I haven't actually done an episode on myself yet. No. But it's about other people's deconstruction and the 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 journey, the path, or whatever. But I have written my story out many times and tried to explain the whole the whole shebang. But I mean, the basics are: I was hyper fundamentalist as a kid, um, all through all through high school, and I left. Like Seventh Day Adventist, like what? No, denom- uh, I was non-denominational, somewhere in, in between Baptocostal. Baptocostal, and yeah. this is in uh, like, are you born and raised where you're at? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I actually live in the same house I was like that I've lived a whole life. Holy I cow! When I was a kid. Wow. I bought this house when I was nineteen or something. Wow. Yeah, which I regret because it's kept me here, and I really want to leave. Yeah, that's the tough part about putting down roots. Yeah, but uh, okay. I left. I left this uh, church because they were like really into the Creflo Dollar Benny Hinn word of faith stuff. Oh no! And then I started like really. I did this thing where I asked God to like help me figure out what was true because all this doctrine and stuff had really confused me a lot. And uh, I started to recognize that the Bible can be used for good and evil just as equal. Uh, you can you can use the Bible to ma- manipulate people. You can use it to justify any heinous belief, and you can use it to justify doing good and being good. And I realized that I really needed to understand it a lot better. So I became I went a couple years, and like that's all I did was study. When was this? How old were you? Like nineteen or twenty. Okay. Yeah. Where were um so what's your family situation? What were parents, siblings? What was everybody else thinking about this? Uh, I didn't really grow up close to my siblings, so they were really not a factor. Um, okay. my mom was not religious, but she is now. Um, so I was like the religious freak in the in the whole family. It was all who was bringing you to church as a kid? Uh, I had been taken when I was really young. And I, I guess I started getting picked up by the pastor or something. Like I wanted to go. It was like all I wanted. That to is fascinating. Yeah, my my religious indoctrination is almost entirely on me, except for I did have influences in my life. That's that is a different story than I've ever heard. So yeah, my my mom never pressured me to go, and my dad didn't. So there was nothing like that. But like I grew up in an, an incredibly abusive household. And it was okay. like a, an escape, you know, and something reliable. Like I tell yeah. people that like I needed a a, a loving father mm-hmm. to kind of replace the one I had. Uh-huh. And that's why I went full bore into Christianity. Uh, that's and and they they say as well our first conceptions of God come from our Father. Yeah. Um, and and then secondly, our the parental unit itself. So it's yeah, that's so you found family and fellowship and uh, paternity in this fundamentalist church. Do you think how different? I mean, you know kind of a useless thought experiment, but how different do you think it would have been if you would have been brought up or brought to um, 
I can't even think of a good, like, I don't know, Preston Sprinkle or uh, Francis Chan or like uh, Greg Boyd's church, something that's a little more progressive. And yeah, even like I would, I would say properly Christian, like actually. So the, the thing is my, the church that I was at last, I don't know if I would really call them that fundamentalist, but I was. And oh. like they were not fundamentalist enough for me, so it was it, like I said, it was self-imposed. Like I, I wanted to not be in error ever, and I got into apologetics when I was super young. I have a library, just thousands of books from other religions and cults, and that I started when I was thirteen. I, just thousands of of pieces of material from other beliefs, so that I could justify my own and argue against theirs. It's just part of part of my personality is that I take things to extreme always. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always going to be on usually the furthest left side of things. Do you have Do you have addiction in your family or alcoholism? Yes, absolutely. Okay, Big yeah, time. that's that's a because yeah. the the extremity is a huge marker of the the ism part of of the alcoholism. Yeah. Um. So. I always ask this question too, and it's sometimes it's tough to put yourself back in those, those shoes, but as a young child and I guess moving into um, preteen and teenage years, do you remember feeling any, like as far, I know you, there's, there's no way you stayed in the church without having some sort of spiritual experiences. Correct. Yeah, I was like my first spiritual experience. I was probably six years old and I was speaking in tongues at at a small Pentecostal church um, on revival nights and I got quote unquote saved. Um, And like I I don't think I had much of an understanding of what was going on, really, because I was really young. Yeah, I don't mean it's chaotic. Pentecostal churches are fucking chaotic anyway. So there's very little focus on doctrine or anything like that. But that spiritual experience, that spiritual high, and the music and and all those things that kind of lend to that were addictive to me. That's what I was hooked on, I think. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've said that before a lot of times. It's funny, too. And I think um, I think that is a lesson I have been being taught uh, in the past few years is uh, especially since I mean, you know, I am an addict and I got really, really hooked on spiritual experiences as a feeling like as a, um, like a, a sensational feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always think about the whole, um, milk to solid food thing. It's like, okay, that, that sort of stuff served me well in the past, but it's like, I think I'm being, taught and led to like not rely on that as much because it's yeah then it then it becomes the only marker for which i gauge how quote connected i am or how close i am it's like if i'm having these uh blissful experiences right so outside outside of those in church type experiences like in your private time what was the relationship like when you believed 
like it, I would say that it was extremely personal, you know, very, I, I prayed constantly. Um, you, I, you know how Joey talks about kind of having a religious OCD of, of sorts. Yep. I think I had a bit of that going on. Me too. Yeah. Joey, Joey's story has kind of helped me recognize that about myself is that I think I, I was obsessive compulsive impulsed and that was kind of driven by a fear of hell and a fear of being wrong or, or rejection or whatever, whatever how many it was how many times have you said the sinner's prayer maybe two or three i don't know oh Not that's it but i was those, are, those are rookie numbers bro you need to yeah. pump those numbers up <laughs> well i was such a fundamentalist it, it was like i i ah. also stood in judgment of everybody else so it was like you know, your faith is not as good as my faith. You're mm. you're missing something. I I hated Baptist with with everything in me because I felt like they were like just a bunch of rich snobby people. Uh, and I I had influence in my life that was kind of from from the church I was going to that kind of lent lent itself to that that made me believe that way. But I uh, I stood in judgment of other people a lot, a mm. lot, especially religious people. And you and it was almost the worst kind of judgment where like you felt a hundred percent justified yeah. and and well it's even more than justified it's like uh com- called and commanded to yes, pass absolutely. judgments yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 I mean I was looking back I was a really cocky thirteen year old that, <laughs> <laughs> that no wonder nobody really liked him <laughs> and like but see my the way that I did the whole condemnation thing it wasn't like uh the homosexuals need to get saved and repent it was like the baptists need to do better at feeding people Mm. and why aren't you having why aren't you speaking in tongues you know you're not experiencing the fullness of god things like that Mm. little things like that that i don't know that that became kind of hyper fixations for me okay so where did it go from there uh, when I was 19, I, 19 or 20, I, uh, had left my church and spent maybe a Be- year out of church. And you left because it wasn't fundamentalist enough. Right. Well, they okay. were, they were focused on like the Benny Hinn, Ruffalo dollar thing. Okay. Gotcha. That was like, all Pros- you heard about was prosperity gospel. And Ugh. I, and it, like at first I was like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. And then. You know, you just read the Bible just one <laughs> one more time, and you're like, "No, that's fucking ridiculous." Right. Uh, you know, something about selling everything you have is is uh, a, a life changing gospel, in my opinion. We can get to that later, but um, I left that, and somewhere in the next two years, I stopped calling myself a Christian. I used the term exogen because I didn't want to be associated with it. Which you know, another pompous, uh, another pompous way of going about it because that's Ooh. who I was. But um, I prayed to God to like show me, you know, fix it for me. I just want a hundred percent of what's true and nothing else. Um, and I mean, within maybe two years, I I had to just say, you know, I don't believe anymore at all. And all the all the dominoes had already fallen, and I just didn't realize it. But, you know, I started. What do you mean? I I had already questioned. You know, is the Bible inerrant? That's kind of the first domino for most people. Mm-hmm. 
and you know learning a little bit about church history at the time it just changed it you know it can't be and it oh it can't be inerrant is what you're saying right yeah that right. that just seemed impossible to me and like i think for me it's like because i'm like an all or nothing kind of person that one domino was really all it took i just didn't i was just in major denial about it for a couple of years and suicidal and you know i felt like i was losing everything because that was this imaginary relationship that i had built up in my head was really all i knew it's really the only thing i cared about that made me happy and um i'm i i really lost touch with the reality for a while because i just didn't know how to to parse a world without a god so what it, what what did losing touch with reality look like for you mostly i was incredibly depressed and mm -hmm. i planned my suicide just dozens and dozens of times um because i didn't know it was kind of like a dare to god mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. the way the way it felt at the time um kind of like uh you know when lieutenant dan's on top of yeah the, the boat jenny and just Taunting. shaking his fist it's like it was like that um and that's the that scene is really powerful if you if you apply it to like what my life felt like at the time uh because it felt like this you know lieutenant dan had lost everything and he had been through hell and had seen so many people die and i i felt like in the same way that he felt like his country turned on him and his god turned on him i that's the way i felt just felt like you know i had been abandoned So what kept so and and I imagine this was did you was this a sudden loneliness or were you no. I'm 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 assuming you you usually pompously religious folks aren't terribly surrounded by like did you have friends in the church I guess is what I'm saying and then suddenly do you find yourself okay now I don't even have friends or now I don't have god and i don't even have my friends anymore because i've turned my back so what the hell well it was kind of I, since i had already left the church that foundation was already gone so i okay. didn't have i didn't really have anybody to go to with the questions i had or anything like that so it was i don't know what else it could have what else could have happened like i i didn't have anybody to like kick my ideas off of um other than maybe a few friends on the internet, but see, so one of the, uh, one of the groups that was really influential to me and still is, uh, you, you know, the band Zayo. Mm, oh the yeah. Band Zayo, the greatest, yep. greatest yep. band of all time. Um, there was a forum back in the day called bleed Zayo and it was just a bunch of Zayo nerds, maybe 20 of them, you know, it wasn't a lot of people, but I had been on that since I was 14 or 15 and everybody in that, forum was experiencing deconstruction and talking about it at the same time that I was going through it. And that was probably like the place that helped me the most to really understand what was going on. Cause like at first it was like, no, you guys, this is crazy. You can't possibly be thinking that, you know, universal salvation is true. That's insane. And then, you know, I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, it's, I was like the last one 
of that group to start to to go away from my faith. And uh, but there are some really intelligent people there who are just uh, you know amazing minds that really helped me understand an alternate view. So if I had any place, it was that. Hmm. Uh, but in my in my real life, kind of away from the internet, it still felt like everything was falling apart. Because you know, I thought I was going to be in the ministry. I thought I thought my future was going to be focused on some sort of gospel spreading. Yeah, that's. I'm trying to even. That's I. Trying to even get into the headspace, and I. Yeah, it's a hard headspace to be to, to it, like. Yeah, to, to because I I guess it's 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 almost like the simplest thing. It's it's like the domino fell so hard for you that it was easier to. Because I I feel like there are a lot of people currently in ministry that probably believe what you do, but they're just faking it through because it makes their life easier and it's their path to whatever, right? But it's for you, it fell. I also just made a huge assumption, but I've heard those stories before. Yeah, Um, we've heard it before with like you know some uh, Christian metalcore bands where they're like, yeah, it was just easier just to go along with it. Um, whereas you were just like, and maybe it is that extremism you're talking about. You're like, there's no effing way I can fake this. Yeah. I mean, I, there was a couple of years where I couldn't admit to myself that I didn't believe anymore. So there was like a lot of denial there, but I I couldn't have done that for decades that I have a need. And I, I think this may be related to like my addictive personality. I, I have a need to always be. 100% genuine in everything I do and say. Mm. Which sounds, again, that sounds really cool. I'm with you. That's self aggrandizing, but like, I, I don't see the point in not being 100% on everything. I just don't, like, if you're going to live life, live it fully and honestly. And, you know, everything, it felt disingenuous to, to not say what I was feeling out loud and, and to admit it, I guess. And it was very freeing when I finally did. I mean, it it felt like a, a million pounds get coming off my chest. And I and I guess we'll um oh I don't know where to go. So yeah, could we? Do you believe you? Sw- I guess I, I'm always um. That was a terrible stuttering sentence of words, but (laughs) I'm always, for some reason, I'm always trying to create theories of everything in my head and like broad, more like, I guess, sociological perspective type things. That's how I think, because it's like every now and then it's like, ah, I'm so close. So what what I was toying around with right there was, did you just swap one belief system for another? And it's you found your, like, do you think what you currently ascribe to is religious in its, uh, in the way it lives out in your life? Like, did, because when, when someone typically, when someone, when there is, you know, nature abhors a vacuum, right? Um, so that, that emptiness is going to be filled with something. Do you think that is, what happened and 
follow-up question, did you test drive any other religions before that Buddhism, et cetera, et cetera? I didn't really test drive anything. I, I went hardcore into the new atheist movement, which is something I deeply regret. I wish I could go back and not do that. But I think that's another symptom of the, the addictive personality. I think that really, I think everything kind of revolves around this addictive OCD personality. Can you define that movement for me? Also, the new what, is that Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, Hitchens, really pompous assholes who think anybody that believes anything is just a fucking idiot. And they, none of those guys, like the the four horsemen of of new atheism, have ever been religious. They don't know what it's like, and that's where my that's where my beef with them really came about. I was like, you know, I don't think you understand or have sympathy for the fact that one, I, you can't choose to believe or not believe. It's just you do or you don't because you're compelled and people are compelled for different reasons uh, to believe different things. Like it, it's impossible for, for you to just choose not to believe in God. Like mm-hmm. you can try it right now as a thought experiment to see if you can and, and you probably can't. I can't. And I realized that, you know, while I was like gung-ho in that movement and I had a lot of friends in it, I just, I didn't like the taste that left in my mouth. There was always this, this arrogance. Uh, and I started to just to really dislike the arrogance that I had always shown, you know, from childhood about my love for God and, and things like that. And that translated into an arrogance about knowing everything you can about science and biology and evolution and, so it it all kind of comes full circle. I'm still acting like the same same person. It's just for that new atheist kind of line of thought, which I wouldn't call it a religion, but it does have some religious aspects. It does have its own prophets. Yeah. And I, I'm definitely not there now. It's I have a lot of distaste for it. But it was it was probably five or six years. That's like God, it's all I talked about. And debated all the time on Facebook. Do you think yeah. a part of that was, I mean, it it's pro, it has to have came from the same depths that apologetics sometimes come from, yeah. where it's like uh, on the one hand I'm arguing um, to convince you, on the other hand I'm arguing to further convince myself yes. of this thing that is true. Absolutely, yeah. Did is did you find like new purpose in like what was it like? Oh my gosh, I've arrived! Like this is which felt better, this new uh, born again atheist or the fundamentalist Christian? Uh, probably fundamentalist Christianity, I would say. Uh, yes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just because there was such a heightened level of emotion in in the movements that I was involved in and the whole Pentecostal thing. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, highly emotional. Yeah, I, I always refer back to my my only big uh, fundamentalist experience was the uh, the first inpatient treatment center I went to was uh, a fundamentalist place called Bethel Colony of Mercy in Lenore, North Carolina. That and sounds fundamentalist. It was so and so and this was dude. It was full of hardened. Yeah. criminals convicts like a lot of prisoners or ex-prisoners ex-cons um and dude at at the the 
like 6 p.m. worship services, like these people shattered like glass. And I've never, yeah. I, you know, I can't, I can't deny like something happened. It's, it is yeah. quite an experience to get wrapped up into. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I get it. And I get how, how people could only chase that or, or really yeah. confuse it for a more, refined uh sober solemn type of worship experience um it almost feels like there's something pagan about it sometimes you know what i yeah, mean like where it's definitely. it's um yeah so yeah no i feel, I, I i get it um okay so you so you're a a staunch new atheist at this point. And I'm guessing this was what, like 10 years ago where we're at now. Something like that. Yeah, 15. that's about right. And I mean, I think I finally snapped out of that maybe five years ago that lasted five, six, seven years, something like that. And I just realized that one, I was isolating myself and I was only, I was spending a lot of time just debating with people on the same shit over and over stuff that really it doesn't it doesn't really matter if you believe in evolution it really i don't care i i just i don't i don't care if you call yourself a christian or anything like that i just i want you to be decent to people and i want you to treat people with love and kindness and then i i kind of started to come back around to the whole concept of a very simple gospel which is you know i th i think jesus was just telling us to love our neighbor I think Jesus was just telling us to, to live in communion with one another. You know, I think I I have always believed that the meek should inherit the earth. You know, those are fundamentalist parts of like my the the compass that guides me is that like if we treat one another well, the world will be will be better. It's just simple, and I think that's really a very basic understanding of the whole Jesus thing. So I kind of yeah. got into that. I wouldn't say got into that. I kind of returned to that. Um, and now I spend a lot of time trying to, trying to explain the Bible and the gospel and kind of this humanist sense. So, you know, if Jesus said and believed that you have to be kind to one another because we're all created in God's image. Well, I may not believe in the God of that, but the concept, it works for me. You know, the concept of we're all equal and should be treated as such, it's, it's fundamentally true. So that, that kind of became, I guess, the focus and still is. I, I think I'll probably remain somewhere in that realm as long as I live. And have you Have you ever had a psychedelic experience? Yeah, a little bit. I, I've What's taken a little small bit? Amounts, small amounts of LSD. How small? Like microdosing? Microdosing, yeah. Oh. For migraines. Oh. We need to. This is about <laughs> the only. This is about the only time on this show, dear congregation, that you'll ever hear me like really prescribe this. But you're not the first person to say that. We need to get to. We need to get you to have a heroic. <laughs> mushroom dose and you might uh you might you might become a believer again i don't know i i are you open to something like that somewhat i do have 
a paranoia about I, I grew up with a major paranoia about drugs. I'm surprised I ever did the marijuana, but it was just an act of desperation to even try it. And um, so there there is that, you know, the whole dare experience really got to me when I was a kid. I don't know if it scared uh, the shit out of you, but it scared the fuck out no, of me. It 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 was it piqued my interest. It was like, oh, <laughs> you mean me. No, I was like I was a virgin the day I was married. I was well, and this had is never touched anything. So, and the whole um, to better explain how I, that wasn't just a super reckless uh, recommendation. My um, what I was bouncing around was the idea of jettison. So you've just jettisoned any sort of creative intelligence, any sort of higher power outside of. I'm not opposed to that. Like, okay, God may exist. I just don't think that we have the capacity to really know. Um, and so well, I, and I, well, that's true. Well, to, the capacity to really know. Yeah. Well, we can't, right. We can't know one way or the other. Agree. I mean, we, yeah. I mean, but see, to admit that that puts you in the like wheelhouse of an agnostic. You can be a, I, I think you can be a Christian and an agnostic, and I, I think you can even be a Christian and an atheist. I think it's like by definition, everyone like every everyone is an agnostic just because like simply, I, you. I and I'm, I'm speaking purely semantical definition. Like you cannot know, um, yeah. but then I, you know, I'm one of those people also that like I can't necessarily, you know, the whole. Um, who is it? Pascal's demon. Where like, how do I know there's not a demon sitting on my shoulder, yeah. touching my brain, telling me that up is down, yeah. left is right, that every, my entire world, you know, I don't technically, we can't know that uh, you are, you or I are even a real person. Right. Um. Well, that's, that's good because I, I wonder too, do you ever think about, are you holding things with a closed fist or are you kind of taking everything as it comes with with any sort of open mindedness? I, I would say I'm much more open minded now, um, and i I can like celebrate. Like I don't celebrate when people like get baptized, or I don't celebrate when people get quote unquote saved. But when people have like an experience that humbles them or changes them fundamentally that I can celebrate. And sometimes those are religious experiences. And a lot, I, a lot of that comes from like spending a little time and speaking at the Unitarian Universalist church. Like that's, they've found a way to do what I couldn't do, which is like, just embrace it all and take what you can and um, get what you can out of a religious concept. And that's not something I was able to do without either fully committing to it or, you know, rejecting it all outright. And so I would say that I don't reject Christianity outright. There are pieces of it that I believe and, and adhere to in my life. In fact, I'd, I would say that compared to most people who call themselves Christians, I'm probably more strict morally than, than most. Um, and it's just a different set of morals too, though. So my morals are not really reflected in your traditional, you know, Baptist or Catholic liturgy, liturgy. Yeah, and what do you think the root of that is? Like, you know, most, uh, not most. Um, there are 
certain psycho psychological uh modes that would point all that to childhood and, yeah. and trauma and the and the abuse and uh fear of of punishment and towing lines and um or like do you think that's important for the conversation of like where this moral sense come came from or you're just glad you have it and full stop i, I mean i am glad i have it i think so I was heavily influenced by the work of Karl Marx when I was like 14. Um, and I joined the Communist Party USA at the same time. And that while a fundamentalist Christian? Yes. And like that's that's kind of the the thing that's always been a little different with me is that like my view of Christianity has always aligned very well with Marxism. And my my morals are 100% focused on the working class and the meek and tearing down strongholds i guess you would say you know of the 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 wealthy and powerful um that those things are more important and that they are actually in fact what jesus was talking about a lot of times i don't think jesus was talking about like saving you from hell I think he was talking about you saving you and your fellow man from creating hell right here, which we've done. And I think he was saying that the kingdom of God was an option for us, but we have to choose to pursue that as a as a species almost. And if not as a species, then in our community. Would it? Yeah, that. I mean, you know, I I can say well said to that. It would it matter to you? Because I know, and so it's like for the sake of just avoiding argument, let's not say uh, whether or not Jesus did claim to be divine. But for this thought experiment, let's say he did claim to be divine. Would that affect his teachings in your mind? Yeah, that that would I think fundamentally affect it. But I don't think that he did make that claim. Okay. But how I don't think how would it, it fundamentally affect it? Like the whole C.S. Lewis liar lunatic thing. Yeah, lunatic would be kind of where I would go there. Like I, I wouldn't believe you if you said you were divine. I, now, I, I believe that Jesus expressed a very Jewish belief, which was all men are God breathed. We are all created in the image of God, and in that way, Jesus was divine, and so am I. And so are you. And we mm -hmm. must treat each other as if we are each God. I think that's a, that's a, a, a very basic Jesus teaching that's kind of lost because we don't have any roots or understanding of Judaism at all within the Christian faith anymore. When did you, when did, that's like, I've, I would say it's a minority thing that I've heard that Jesus didn't claim to be divine where did that get picked like who who influenced you on that one uh the the bible i guess like i and, okay. and knowing that the council of nithia actually is what made that a requirement to, mm. to be considered a christian constantinople was kind of where um the idea of hell was more codified and uh nithia is where jesus became god so th those types of things really 
I think it I think it is fundamentally important for anyone who calls themselves a Christian today to try to understand the roots of this faith and where it comes from um, and the, the things that changed on the way to where we are today. And it's a fascinating history. You, you can read thousands and thousands of pages and barely scratch the surface. Uh, and that's what I feel like I, where I'm at. It's like I'm the more I learn, the less I feel like I know. Um, yeah, it. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's why I cannot stand my least favorite atheist argument in my least favorite phrase um in on like imager and reddit is oh you ju- it's just a book of fairy tales. It's like right. talk about the most wow. like reductionist it's view. A, it's a book of human experiences. Like it it is I love the Bible because, and I love, I love the Quran. I love, uh, I really, I collect holy texts as well. And I love the concept of a group of people generally, generally a holy book is, is shared by um, a community, a group of people. So, you know, your Indians you- have the Bhagavad Gita and, you know, Christians have the Bible and Jews have the Tanakh. And those are, that is, those people's best attempt to try to understand what they cannot explain any other way. And that's something is beautiful about that to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was going to like, so what do you attribute the longevity of these, the, the, the ubiquitousness and the longevity of humanity, humanity's belief systems in the divine it's like what do you think that's about then i think it's mostly about tradition and okay i I think that i'll bite you're going to probably be a christian if you're raised in a christian home and you're probably going to be hindu if you're raised in a hindu home now you may stray from those things um as you age but you know, if you were not exposed to it, if you were in a vacuum, which I, you know, is an, another impossibility to really understand, to, to really claim or to, to produce in any way as, as a vacuum of religion, uh, I, I think outside of that, you're going to come up with some sort of belief or a personal God of some sort because it's been told to you that that exists. It, anthropology is one of my favorite things and like one of the the first guys i ever read first anthropologist i ever read was a guy named albert churchward and i was like 13 14 really loved his work and he would explain he explained god as this evolution of what was at one point the simple belief that the sun protected us from the night and that belief turned into worship of the sun and eventually worship of animals and, you know, panentheism and things like that. You know, God is in everything or God or everything is God. And that evolution kind of continued until, you know, more, uh, more influence was kind of added. So, you know, Judaism started off as a, as a, as a pantheistic belief system. You know, there are, 30 or 40 gods in their their original pantheon but in the end it was decided that we should focus on the one and his name is El and 
he's kind of the he's the creator of all things and that history that that evolution of belief is influenced both by our experiences and by the people that are telling those stories so i guess that's an attempt to answer that yeah no that's it's it is it is always fascinating to me the and I think this is uh, sort of the body of Christ, if you will, of the the differences in perceptions and interpretations of of uh, of things. Like, because it's uh, my my anthropology, the 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 science of anthropology to me is like so frustrated. I feel like there are yeah. so many just like crazy gymnastical leaps taken to be like okay it's just the things that just don't make sense to me is like how outside of um like for my biggest like for not my biggest but the the easiest one for me is like ayahuasca for example Hmm. where so you're telling me that this that one day like how like so the 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 explanation is trial and error, but it's just like, so you're telling me that people just one day figured out that if you take the root of this tree and combine it with, with this leaf of the one of trillions of species in the Amazon and you yeah. brew it this specific way and you drink it that it tastes disgusting. So it's counterintuitive to drink. And then you wait and then you vomit and then you'll have this profound experience. It's like, so that just happened by why? Yeah, I think a lot of shit happens by accident. Oh, you know? But so like, I can't accident. even think of a scenario, but I see, I kind of, I feel like it's, I mean, to a degree, but it's like, can things happen by accident without being built on the, I don't know, man. I mean, there's just some things I can't, I can't even imagine a scenario of how it, it would just happen and, and let alone be repeated. It's just like the odds of that to me, I just can't get down yeah. with that. I mean, I guess like for things like that, I think if we consider that there are, there have been billions of people to have existed in the past and those billions of people all had you know, billions of their own experiences. And at back then point, there wasn't billions though. No, but I mean, over time, that's, you're kind of looking at what 15 billion or so people have probably lived in totals. 8 billion of them are alive now. Uh, but, too many. Yeah. It's way too many. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I, on the whole idea of Malthus, like, I think we can, I think we can live in harmony with, the world I, and i think it probably can sustain this many of us but we just can't use up the earth quite as uh vigorously as we do yeah but um nothing aside the um the idea that like we can't accidentally discover shit though i mean like that that just well, seems like what we do is we accidentally discover shit all the time and like of it course. seems like life is nothing but a, a series of accidents really I, I guess for me, so it's just when I, once again, and that's why it's like fascinating where like same, same original data arriving at two different um, conclusions where it's like, to me, it just makes, there's just certain things that if you trace it back, it's like, 
they don't make great sense to me if they were just stumbled upon like royalty for example it's like what what initially gave someone such right that they were able to convince other humans to fall in line yeah it's it's i mean things like that where it's like things you know making the familiar strange where it's like okay things we take for granted it's like but really think about like the genesis of these things and how did like how does that make sense in well for one like i don't um you know i hate the and i guess it's not a terribly supported anthropological idea that mankind at any point like once you get to homo sapiens that at any point they were any dumber than we are currently like that's not yeah. that's nobody believes that so it's like okay i mean i, I don't I know, wonder yeah. if maybe they were much smarter that's that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying especially in like a more richly oxygenated environment and <laughs> you know yeah i mean i i think the argument can be made that we are probably at our dumbest now uh because we are and i'm not trying to be all hyper environmentalist but like I, i'm just trying to be a realist captain planet did have a lot of influence on me that growing up um he scared the shit out of me about this global warming shit um but like we now support a system that wants you to believe that resources are completely unlimited that oil will come out of the ground forever that we can consume 10 billion barrels a day and it'll just keep coming it's never going to go away and that you can chop down every tree and destroy the rainforest and do all that and it's just going to be fine and there won't be any consequences like that's really what the system of capitalism teaches us it's it's trying mm-hmm. to convince us that this is all going to be forever but in reality like the people that came before us you know and i don't i don't mean like the white people like the the people who were originally on like american land Mm-hmm. They had to find a way to live in harmony with this, and they believed in preserving it. And like in that way, they're much smarter than us. Just because mm-hmm. you know we have nicer homes and cars and shit does not make us smart. It, we're just destructive. And yeah. I, I think that they were not destructive, and so in that way, much much more intelligent than us, and and much more accomplished than us. Yeah agree on that one. I, I am not like mr environmentalist like it's not like a hey, looting and polluting is not the way here's what captain yeah. planet has to say i wouldn't yes. allow to watch i wouldn't allow to watch captain planet because it was oh. too new age but oh wow i snuck it in there nice yeah good yeah so, I'd love sorry, sorry miriam <laughs> all right man that well a good good combo man we could keep we could keep going on that one for for a while um okay so plug your plug your show and i will also okay. be uh, a guest on his show in the near future so i'll be sure to uh post a link to that episode but go for it Give yeah plugs. my show is called the great deconstruction we've only got two episodes out so far but they're pretty good i think not bad a couple hundred of the people have listened to it so um, you can find The Great Deconstruction on my Substack, which is at revoxley.substack.com and on iTunes. And uh, what's the other one? Spotify. Spotify. It's on all the places. Just look for it. It'll show up. Give it a five-star rating. I really need it. 
yeah to, yeah trying to get famous here not really but yeah the the uh the ratings and reviews at the beginning help a ton uh and as always send me an email church and other drugs at gmail.com uh patreon.com slash church and other drugs and storefrontier.com slash church and other drugs until next time people i got a lot of things. <laughs>